Right, I'm going to start. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse, as it is written. Cursed is everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified by God, because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says, the person who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Hey guys, good to be here for morning number two. Uh, Really excited to dig into this stuff with you. Um, I think of all the things we're going to look at, uh, this morning is one of the biggest and heaviest things that we're going to try and, try and grasp with. Uh, and so keen for you guys to do whatever you've got to do to concentrate during this time. Write notes if you need to write notes. Read along in the Bible as we track through it. Because this morning we're going to be digging into the thing of how do we know that our way is the right way? Because I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but there's lots of different ideas on how we can get right with God, um, how we can get to heaven. Uh, you've got Buddhists who believe that uh, if you just do the eightfold path, and if you follow that perfectly, then you're going to get to heaven. Uh, Islam, they say that uh, if you're a Muslim, you just got to do the five pillars. And if you do those things, then you're going to get to heaven. Um, I want to suggest that even a bunch of your friends who aren't religious have ideas on how that they're going to get to heaven, how they're going to be right with God. Uh, they might say, say things like, if you just do good stuff, then you'll get to heaven. That's how you're going to do that. If you're just a good person, then you're going to get to heaven. Christianity says something very different, but how can we be sure that we've got it right? How can we be sure we've got the right way? And I want to say that this question is so important to wrestle with because there's so much on the line. Um, Now, I hope after listening to the last couple of talks, you realize just how much is on the line. The last two nights, we've seen heaven. We've seen that it is rock solid. We've seen that it is restored and perfect. And we've seen that it's reunited with our God. But we've also looked at hell, and we've seen that it it is real, and it is terrible, and it is eternal, and it is irreversible. Those stakes are high. And so how do we know that we've got it the right way, that our way is the right way? And that's what this passage that we're looking at this morning is going to help us do. Um, And I want to say, if heaven and hell are on the line like this, There's a bunch of mistakes you can make. You can get a bunch of things wrong in life, but there's one thing that you don't want to get wrong, and it is this question, how do I get there? And so as we dig in this morning, put your thinking hats on, write your notes, do all you can. I'm actually going to pray that God would help us to concentrate even if we're tired, uh, help us to wrestle with this stuff because there's nothing more important we can wrestle with. Uh, So why don't you bow your heads and pray with me? Dear God, Uh, We we come to you uh, so aware of our reliance upon you um, to show us what is true and what is good uh, and what is right. Uh, Lord, we ask this morning that you'd be um, clearing away all the distractions from us, that you'd be helping us to concentrate, uh, to hear what your word has to say to us. And Lord, as we hear it, that we'd be ready to listen and be changed by it. Uh, Lord, we ask that this morning lots of people would come to realize that um, your way in Jesus is the only way to heaven and would trust in that for the rest of their life. Uh, and Lord, that that would be a uh, truth that shapes all of our lives this morning. Amen. Now, the way that we're going to do this this morning, 
uh, is we're going to look at the way that Paul addresses a particular issue that's going on in Galatia. So you remember yesterday how they were messing with the gospel. We're going to look at how Paul argues against them and argues for the gospel. That's the first thing we're going to do. But then what I want to show you, and this is going to be the second thing, is we're going to see how the way that he argues against them particularly actually is the same way that you could argue against every single other way than Jesus. And so that's the two things we're going to do. Um, But before we can get into any of those, there is four things, four key words that you need to understand. Uh, Because we're going to be tracking through this passage and there's some funny words in it. And so write this in your notepad if you need to write it in your notepad. Do whatever you've got to do to keep these in your mind because I'm not going to explain it again. Maybe not. I probably will. First web, justify justification. Now that is that word that's straight out of the court scene. When the judge is standing there, knocks his gavel down, and he says, not guilty. When he says not guilty, it means that person is justified. It's as if they've never sinned. As if they're perfectly right with God. Pure, clean, not guilty, justified. First word. Second word, works of the law. Now, this is all about following the Old Testament law. So I don't know if you guys know the Ten Commandments, but you've got things like do not murder, do not steal, uh, do not lie, don't dishonor your parents. Um, Most of you guys will know that, but there's also some other things around um, what works of the law involves. Uh, So the Old Testament also talks about things like circumcision. Uh, I don't know if you guys know what circumcision is, but uh, it's an important word to get because this this text uses it a lot. Uh, This is a male body part. and about eight days old, I think they get a knife or scissors or something. I've got a blunt kitchen knife, so it's not normally this graphic. But male's body part, females don't have it. Oh, that's circumcision. Um, and that's works of the law. So that's all part of the works of the law thing. And I want to say quickly, just so you get this in your mind as well, that is what the people were coming and telling people to do, that they've got to do those works of the law, including circumcision. That's what the Galatians were getting, uh, getting messed around with. Third thing, faith. Now, this is a word that is so key to give, get. Uh, it's just like the word believe. Faith is just like the word believe or trust. Paul, um, Paul sometimes in these verses is going to do this thing where he just randomly switches between faith and believing, because they're basically the same word. Um, Faith, believing, uh, is just believing that Jesus is the one who can save you. Trusting in Him to save you, not yourself. That's faith. The last one is Jew. Now, the Jews were this nation from thousands of years ago that started off with a guy called Abraham. Abraham had a bunch of different... He had a bunch of kids who then had kids together, who then had kids together... And then slowly, after a lot of time, there's this whole nation that appeared from this one dude called Abraham, and that's called the nation of Israel, or the Jews. Um, so that's the fourth thing to get. And so I hope you got all those down. Those, those are as hard as it's going to get in terms of trying to concentrate through those different things. Now, what we're going to do, knowing those words, is we're going to track through how he argues against those people that are saying works for the law and argues for faith. And we're going to track through that, through that passage we look through in five different arguments. First, though, he's going to state his position. And so what we're going to need to do is flip back to chapter 2, verse 15. And he states his position and he says, works of the law don't work, faith works. Have a look at chapter 2, verse 15. It says, We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, 
but by faith in Jesus Christ. Now, there's three words that we've just talked about there. So he says, a person is not justified, declared not guilty, right? By the works of the law, obeying the Ten Commandments, getting circumcised, all of those things, but by faith, believing, trusting in Jesus. And so he goes on to the next little bit where he says basically the same thing again in that same verse. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law because by works of the law no one will be justified. See how clearly he states his position at the start there? Works of the law do not work. Faith is the only thing that works. Do you remember thinking about that fire yesterday? Uh, with all the doors locked, basically what Paul's saying here right now is he's going, that door that says works of the law, that door is locked. You're not getting out there. Now, he stated what he said, what he thinks, what he reckons. He's going to give us five arguments why he can say that, why he can be sure of that. The first one is the argument from the cross. Have a look in your Bibles at verse 21 of chapter 2. He says, I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, then Christ died for nothing. His first point is, if you could get right with God by doing a bunch of things, obeying the Ten Commandments, getting circumcised, then why did Jesus die? Why did God let his son go to the cross if you could just get there by following these rules? Have you guys ever had that moment? where you realize that there's actually a heaps easier way to do the thing you've been doing. Um, I try and never have these moments. One of my, my great passions is doing things the easiest way I can. And so after the first week of uni, I realized you don't actually have to go to uni for lectures. You can just listen to them at home. So I didn't go to a single lecture for the rest of my uni career. And I was really stoked about that, because I know that my time is precious. And so I don't want to waste my time traveling to Sydney and back now imagine this, right? To not waste my time is precious. And so I make sure there's no way around it if I'm actually going to waste my time. How much more can you be sure that if God gave up his precious son, that there's no other way that would work? If God gave up his precious son, there was no other way around it. That's the last resort, right? including, obviously, works of the law. Obviously not going to work if God had to give up his son. Which is why, if you track through into that next little verse, it says, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. He's saying, use your common sense. If Jesus died, then works of the law aren't going to be the way to God to heaven. First argument. Second argument, the argument from their own experience. Now, this is a funnier argument, and I think you're really going to struggle to follow this one, but I'm just going to say it, and you guys can do what you will with it. Um, some important context so you guys have got a chance to follow along with this is one of these big promises that God made in the Old Testament was that one day he was going to give his spirit to his people. One day he was actually going to come and live in them. And when he did that, what was going to happen for his people was from the inside out, they would change. What they liked would change. What they wanted from life would change. And so knowing that context, knowing this promise of the Spirit that was eventually going to come, read verse 2 with me. Paul says, 
I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? These are key verses, ready? Verse 4. Have you experienced so much in vain if it was really in vain? So again I ask, does God give you His Spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? So Paul asks like four rhetorical questions to that, maybe more, about what their experience has been like. And basically what he's saying to them is, I know that you've experienced the work of the Spirit in your life. And I know you experienced that before all these things started with these work of the law kind of people coming and tricking you. And so here's the question. If you are not right with God before all of this works of the law thing started, why did God come and live in you? It's like, um, I hope this is helpful. I think this is an experience that I have sometimes. When, you, when your friend tells you that they've made this game up, and you're like, I know for a fact that we've been playing that game for longer than I've even known you. So I don't know how you've made that up. I think this game's been around longer than you've even been alive. And so it's crazy that you think you've made that up. That's basically what he's saying. He's like, you idiots, you got the spirit by faith before you ever thought about this works of the law thing. And so clearly faith is what you need. That's the second one from their experience. Hope you tracked with that. The third one, also tricky, the argument from their history. Have a look at verse 6. Next verse, it says, So also Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. So remember the Jews, that was one of those four key words. They started off with this guy called Abraham, who had a bunch of kids. Well, a bunch of people that, that Paul was arguing with it within, either in these verses were Jews, which means they had Abraham as their long, 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 great, 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 great father. And Paul points out that their very father of their whole nation got right with God, not by works of the law, but by believing. I don't know if you've had this experience. There's nothing worse when you're in an argument with someone and you turn to your friend to, to back you up and like, you're on my, my side, right? And then it turns out they're not on your side, they're on the other guy's side. That's exactly what's just happened here. Paul's saying, the guy that you look to as the person that you all follow, he's actually on my side and it's clearly in the Bible here. Now, from this as well, there's a quick aside that I just want to say. It is worth noting that what you guys believe when you believe in faith isn't just something that some random guy made up. It has got a history that goes back thousands and thousands of years. That book that you're reading is all saying that same thing. 40 books, 40 authors, 66 books, all pointing to this one idea that is faith that saves you, not works. Fourth, the argument from the law. Now this one's real key to get, and so I hope you listen up for this one. This is verse 10. Have a look there. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. As it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Paul points out in those verses that to get to God by the works of the law, you can't do it when you see what the law actually requires of you. What's actually expected of you if you want to get there by works of the law. Do you see that? It says, cursed is everyone, have a look at that verse, who does not continue to do everything 
written in the book of the law, which means never lying, not once, never stealing, not once, never wanting something that's not yours to have. It means always honoring your parents. It means never using God's name as a swear word. Could you say that you reached that standard? Could you say you've never lied, never stolen, never wanted something that wasn't yours, always treated your parents like you should treat them? I reckon we've all done almost every one of those things. Now, maybe you're a crazy person and you've only done one of them once, but either way, you've broken God's law. And Paul's point here is you're not alone. Everyone's done it. And so you see the start of that verse, it says, For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse, because not one of us keeps them. That's the fourth one. You can't do it through works of the law. It's too hard. Fifth one, the argument from the Old Testament. Have a look at verse 11. This is the last one, by the way, last argument. So you're almost there. Clearly no one, this is verse 11, clearly no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith. So the people that Paul were arguing were thinking that the whole Old Testament was agreeing with them. All that big chunk of Bible before the Gospels were agreeing with them. Um, but Paul points out by quoting the Old Testament that even the Old Testament books were pointing to the fact that you needed faith. I reckon it has the vibe of this. Um, when I get in arguments with people, I love how many argument illustrations are in this, but when I, get in, I often get in arguments with people. And one of the things I do when I'm really desperate to prove my point is I go on Google, because Google has all the answers. And I tell you what the best thing about Google is, if you skim through the pages for long enough, eventually you'll find an article that agrees with what you say. And so I just skim through page after page until there's some like Yahoo question where some guy's like, yes, that is right. And I go, friend, here, this is right. But then my friend obviously goes, oh, let me check, and goes on Google, Googles it as well, and sees the pages and pages of articles that disagree with me and goes, wait a second, I think you're listening to someone you shouldn't listen to. That's exactly what Paul does in this. He goes, I know my stuff. I know my Old Testament. I think you're trying to use the Old Testament against me, but I've read my Old Testament, and I can show you it's, it's saying the exact opposite. Works of the law don't work. Faith works. Step one, we've seen how he argues against works of the law and for faith, but here's the key thing to get. I want to show you how the way that he argues against works of the law is actually the way that he, he, you can argue against every single other way other than Jesus and faith. It can actually be extended to every single other way to get to heaven. Because every way is all about what I must do. Have a look at verse 13. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says, the person who does these things will live by them. See, the law at its most basic level, at its essence, is saying, this is what you must do to get favor, to get right with God, to make it to heaven. If you do all of these things, then you will live. Then you'll be right with God. And I can say that all religions, when you boil them down, even all ideas that your friends have, when you boil them down, have 
what I do at the heart of them. Buddhism, if you just do the eightfold path, then you'll be right with God. Islam, if you just keep the five pillars of Islam, then you'll be right with God. And even when your friends don't have religion, they just say, if I'm just a pretty good guy, things will be all good. If I don't murder anyone or if don't do anything really bad, I'll be all right with God, things will be okay. That has do at the heart of it. If I do these things, if I am this type of person, then I'll be okay. Now, there's two key arguments that Paul's brought up that just blow those ideas out of the park. The first one is Christ was crucified because do was not an option. If you could get to God based on what you do, then why did Christ die? Second, for what you do to be enough, you have to be perfect. And not a single one of us here is perfect. God's standard is perfection, and we don't meet that standard. We don't even meet our own standard most of the time. Which means, in these verses right now, Paul is not just saying that these guys that are saying works of the law are wrong. He's actually saying that all religions, all around the world, all throughout history, are wrong. But I want to say, Paul doesn't just say, you're wrong. I just don't like what you do. He actually does something incredible. He says, you've got it wrong, but I know the right way. He wants us to see the right way. And so what he does in verse 13 is he says, Christianity is about what Jesus has done for us. Have a look at verse 13. Christianity is about what Jesus has done. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. By becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. All religions say, do these things. What Christianity says is, look at what Christ has done. The gospel, at its heart, is the message of what God has done for you. Christ Jesus, God made man. He came to earth as a man, lived the perfect life that we couldn't live. Jesus obeyed God completely. He was the only innocent one who could stand before God right. He was the only one who nailed it. But he was the one who died. And he died for us. He suffered the judgment, the curse of God. And he did that. He went through that so that we wouldn't have to. He died in our place and took the punishment that we deserved so that we could go free. It was like we were all prisoners. We were all prisoners and we were on death row. We were imprisoned by our sin. We couldn't get out of it. We couldn't fix ourselves up. And do you know what the judgment that awaited every single one of us was? It was death, eternal death. But Jesus steps in And takes our place in that prison. And he faces the death that was meant for us. He gets killed on the cross, taking all of God's anger for your sin. All God's right anger for your sin was poured out on him so that we can go free. Completely free. But only, got to get this, only if we would trust in him to save us 
and stop imagining that we can get there by what we do. And so there's three big things that I want you to get from this. The first one is you've got to trust Him. There are people here who I know are trusting themselves and what they do to earn their way to heaven. I know that because when I ask you, how are you going to get to heaven? How are you sure you're going to get to heaven? You answer things like, yeah, I think I'm a pretty good person. Or I read my Bible, I pray, I go to church. Or maybe it's my parents are Christian, and so I'm going to go to heaven because my parents are Christian. But those answers are wrong. Those answers are are wrong, eternally, condemningly wrong. Those things won't get you to heaven because they're about what you do. And so this morning, hear loud and clear. There's only one thing that saves you, and it is trusting in what Jesus has done for you. And so this morning, I'm going to give you a chance to say sorry for the ways that I've been sitting, but also sorry for the, the fact that I was imagining that I was good enough for you, that what I did have done was good enough to earn your, your favor, to get into heaven. I'm going to say thank you for sending Jesus to die in my place, that he has done it all. And so please, Lord, help me to trust in him alone and to stop trusting in myself. I'm going to pray that in a sec, and if if that's something that you want to do, if you want to stop trusting in yourself and start trusting in our almighty God and what he's done for us, then that would be an awesome thing to pray. But there's two more things I want to say. Now, there's a reason we went really slow through this passage. There's a reason why we tracked through Paul's argument, even some of the things that we didn't quite understand. It's because it matters. It doesn't matter how you feel about these things. It just matters whether they're true or not. I have friends who would have said that they were Christians five years ago, who would have come to fat, who would have sung the songs, who would have said that they trust in Jesus alone. Um, But two of my friends started dating non-Christian girls. Uh, And eventually what happened for them is they couldn't imagine the idea that these girls that they were dating were going to go to hell because they were trusting in themselves. And so what they did is they decided that the best thing to do in that situation was buy into the lie and to stop trusting that Jesus alone saves, but start trusting that if we're just pretty good, God will accept us. But if things would just be okay, why did Jesus die? And so don't be someone sitting here who makes the same mistake that my friends have. Don't work out what is true by how you feel about it. See what the Bible has to say. Trust it. Hold on to it. Now, the last thing I want to say is our world is in desperate need of the gospel. These truths mean that all other religions all around the world have got it wrong, that they're false, which means that every single one all around the world who's trusting in those religions, trusting in themselves to be saved, are going to hell for eternity. Now, the good news in this is the gospel is spreading, that people are hearing and trusting in Jesus alone to save them, and the gospel is going out throughout the world. But it is happening far too slowly. Every day, people are dying, trusting in themselves and not Jesus. And they are rightly being condemned to hell for their sin and without any hope to be saved.
and we here have the only message that can save them. And so consider this. Would you be someone who would go and tell them the gospel? That would go and tell them what Jesus has done. What an incredible use for the few short years you have in this life to see people come to put their trust in Jesus and have eternity in heaven. What an adventure of a life to go out to a place that's never heard the gospel and to preach the gospel, to pray, to love them, and God willing to see people saved. But I also want to say it doesn't have to wait for you to finish school, but do be thinking about that. What are you going to do with your life once you finish school? What else would you want to give your life to? But it doesn't have to start after school finishes. Right now you have the awesome opportunity. You are surrounded by people who are trusting themselves to get to heaven, who are trusting themselves to get right with God, and you know the only thing that can save them. And so be telling them the gospel. Be telling them what Jesus has done for them. Now, I understand that that might be scary for some of you guys. Um, And so it's something that's worth pushing yourself in. And so keep pushing yourself, keep encouraging yourselves to do that. But also, at the very least, what you have with youth group right now is you have the opportunity to just invite people along to a place where they can hear the gospel preached. And so at the very least, be inviting your friends along to hear this stuff. But what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to pray. Um, I'm going to pray that prayer. I'm sorry for trusting myself. Thank you, please. But I'm also going to pray that our lives will be captured by this truth that there is only one way to be saved, and it's Jesus alone. So why don't you bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Lord, uh, we are so sorry for the way that we have lived, um, sinning against you, rebelling against you. Lord, we are struck by our sins sometimes. Sometimes we just sit there going, what is wrong with me? How could I have done this? And Lord, we're struck by the fact that even though that keeps happening, we keep trusting in ourselves and thinking that we're good enough to get to heaven. Lord, we are sorry for that too. Lord, we are so thankful that despite who we are in our sin and in our pride, you sent Jesus to die on the cross in our place, to take the punishment that we deserve so that we could go free. Lord, we thank you so much for that. Lord, we ask, please, that you'd help us to trust in him alone to save us for the rest of our days. And Lord, we ask that that truth would be a truth that shapes us, that we would be more and more convicted of the need for the gospel to go out to our friends who are dying without it, to our world who desperately needs to be saved. And Lord, we ask that you'd be giving us courage to do that, And Lord, we ask that you'd be saving people this morning and for the rest of our days as we seek to honor you. Amen.